Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. So we're going to be talking about income today, and income comes from a lot of different sources. For a lot of our clients, of course, Social Security is one, right? Social Security, uh, RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions. Inherited IRAs. Yep, those also have RMDs, uh, regular distributions from from regular accounts. Yeah, like dividends, such as that. So there's a a number of income streams that people enjoy in retirement, even pensions, some people have those. So we want to talk about today is all the different types of income streams that people right. deal with. And some of these you can control, like a Roth IRA or just your regular account, you have control over that. Others you don't. When you have inherited IRAs or you have Social Security. Required minimum distributions. A yeah. lot of times that just comes out to you. That money's coming to you. So we want to talk through what, what you can do and what you need to be aware of. Yeah. You're listening to Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. I'm a certified financial planner. Uh, Jeremiah is also a certified financial planner, but he's also an attorney. And he helps our clients with legal issues such as estate planning, in some cases, business succession planning and things like that. But today we're going to be talking about income. And the first, the, kind of the top of the subject matter is Social Security, because that is yep. the number one income source for people as they head into retirement. Yep. Now, it's never designed as the primary source of income. It was never set up that way. But unfortunately, some people use it as their primary right. source. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, one of the things we'll talk about today is, uh, I guess maybe we'll start with, is there's a lot of people who are concerned about Social Security. They right. say it's this, it's this giant obligation the government has, and they're not taking enough money in. So they look at the baby boomer generation, and they're looking at how many people are taking Social Security or will be in the next decade or two, right. and how many people are paying into it, and there's concerns. And the last numbers I saw was that uh, Social Security, the whole system, runs out of money in 12 years. Right. In 12 years, they run out. And, and this is a so big, that's good for me, but I mean, it's yeah, terrible right. for you. <laughs> terrible for me. Um, and one of the, the Social Security had a big year last year. Most people don't know this, but Social Security for the first time paid out more than it took in. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we're heading into is that Social Security has these obligations and it keeps paying out, but it is not going to have the ability to, to take in. And so the concern is, you know, 12 years, we run out of money. And there's a, a, a study they did and it said 50% of millennials, so kind of my generation, um, 50% don't believe Social Security is going to be a yeah. meaningful thing when they retire. And then it was 30% for Gen Xers and only 15% of, of baby boomers that said, we're not going to get anything. Now, I wonder, you know, I'm always curious about how these rumors get and how people get a hold of it and they become, so to speak, truth yeah. in their mind as to what's going to happen. But I think more, more from a practical standpoint, you need to understand how Social Security works for you and how you can claim different options of how you receive it, particularly if you're if you're married, whether your spouse is an earning spouse or a non-earning spouse, and there's all these different options and such as that. And you know, I'm coming off this article that uh, we use this one particular um, author. She's 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 probably the best when it comes to Social Security, but she advises that people go to the site because of COVID, they're just really they're lacking in the amount of good advice to yeah. people that go to their offices right now. And, and there's a lot more that's available online. Right. It used to be you could do maybe one or two things online, whereas because of COVID, the Social Security office, they've, they've put a lot online. And the hard part in the part of this article was an interesting story of 
the woman who called in was was told what she could do or what she could right. do and that was inaccurate and i imagine for the vast majority when you call a social security office you're going to get accurate appropriate advice or i guess not advice but probably direction of what you right. can do your options um, however some of those are still in training and so they just, it was a great really good comment to say go on the website um, you know see what your options are and and get professional advice i mean that was kind of her the takeaways i had is that you either talk to a professional or go to the website knowing that you know, because of covid and because of training you might not get fully accurate information yeah and if you need more information about this we'd be more than happy to give it to you but basically it's www.ssa.gov right i believe mm-hmm. and then there's an 800 number but it what i found that they are i i'm claiming social security um, and I find that the site, the website is, is very helpful. It helps yeah. me to understand. Actually, it's better than, in my opinion, than going into the office and talking to somebody face to face. I find like I get a better, yeah, good details, get a better outcome. So, so some of the items that people, um, I guess it will be the, the comment that people have about social security is it's going to go away. It's going to go to right. zero, which is not, I think a realistic concern. It is going to be different. My generation is going to have different social security, but but the differences are, are not going to be, in my opinion, um, and others as well, so stark as to say it's going to be zero. So in the 1983 is when they were having issues with Social Security, and so they bumped the retirement age when you could have that full retirement from 65 to 67. And that's just now taking effect. Yeah, and they also increased the contribution amounts. I mean, the the salary base, they, they increased the amount that yeah. people have to pay. And then, of course, under the current... You know what a lot of the a lot of the legislators are talking about increasing that and making it they don't cap it out so yeah. you continue to pay on social security no matter what your income is yeah and so, people who may not know if you pay social security on the first one hundred forty seven thousand dollars you make right. so someone who makes eighty thousand is going to pay social security on all their earnings where someone that makes two hundred thousand the social security contributions stop at one hundred forty seven and everything else they don't have to keep paying into social security and there's people who want to take out that cap to say why are we making this windfall for others. Others say, no, it, it's fair because you're putting in a, your fair share. Mm-hmm. And so anything excess of that shouldn't be included in Social Security. I mean, again, Social Security is a social program and it's designed to be distributed amongst all the people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people can, can kind of complain about how it's managed and such as that. But it, it it is a program that most people have become dependent and expect that they're going to get that uh, going forward in their yeah. life, right? Yeah. And based on the numbers that we see for Social Security, there needs to be some adjustment, whether they increase the age whether they change the the cap, mm-hmm. um, there has to be some adjustment. So people who are uh, 10 years or so from retirement or in retirement, no effect on you. Right. This is going to you know, run out your whole lifetime. It's, it's going to be a normal program. People who are, I don't know, 45 or so now, maybe, and people who are under that, they're going to have a different system. And whether it just means they pay in more during their life right. or they have to start taking their, their distributions a little later, that may be. But... Um, one thing that I like to stress with clients is that Social Security, um, I'd say for a lot of our clients specifically, shouldn't be the main driver of your retirement. It's, right. it's a piece. It's absolutely a piece. But as much as possible to control the things you can control during your lifetime, to make it so Social Security is extra, it's um, peripheral, and not something you're depending on. There are people who absolutely depend on Social Security, and they will continue to. Yeah, but ideally, if you have a runway and time to you know work with pensions, to work with your 401k, to work with other assets and, and income streams to make Social Security a an extra item and not something right. depending on. Right. I think let's kind of jump over into uh, another key aspect that we deal with, and that's required minimum distributions. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we could delve into inherited IRAs, but let's just stay with required minimum distributions right now. If you have an IRA account, a qualified mm-hmm. account, 
by and large, you have to take out um, a required minimum di distribution when now when you turn age 72. 72 and moved. It used to be 70 and people, yeah. a lot of people remember that, but it's now moved to 72. Yeah. So at 72, you have to take out a certain percentage and the, the amount that you take out is based upon the value of your retirement accounts uh, on December 31st of the previous year. Yeah. Which is a key point. And this doesn't come up a whole lot for a lot of our clients, but I, I've heard people ask this question to say the market's gone down, right? Does my required minimum distribution go down? Right. Or the market's gone up, do I have to take out more? And the answer is no, it doesn't shift. It, it all depends on the balance of your accounts on December 31st, the year before. So what may have an impact is if we have a down year, that next year, December 31st, maybe your values are lower. So that will impact the following year. But whatever happens throughout the year, up and down, does not impact the, the dollar value of the RMV you have to take. And the, and the percentage you have to take out is still relatively modest. I mean, when you first yeah. start out at age 72, it's less than 4%. It's 3.65% or mm -hmm. something like that. It's relatively small percentage. Yeah. So even if your account value went down, it's not probably going to change your income amount that you're going to receive. Yeah. And you can choose to receive it on a monthly basis or like some people, they wait until the end of the year. But you have to take it out before December 31st yeah. of that year. And the reason for RMDs, required minimum distributions, most people I think understand this generally, is that when you put the money into this plan, it was tax preferred. Mm -hmm. You didn't pay taxes on it. And it's been sitting and growing your whole career without paying right. taxes on it. And the government said, in order to participate in these programs, we'll allow this tax-free growth, but we want you to take it out mm -hmm. meaningfully in your lifetime. So at age 72 now, you have to start taking it out. And you take it out every single year, year over year. And for a lot of our clients, as we look through this, um, and anyone who's listening, you need to kind of look at how much that's going to be. We've had some right. people who have, in essence, oversaved for retirement, and they get inundated with um, RMDs. RMDs as they get later in life. And it's not so much they have too much for retirement in general. It's that they have too much for retirement in a qualified plan that's going to make them take it out. Correct. Um, having too much money is not, not a big problem, right? It's something that, right. that most people would like to have. But we've had a number of clients who get into their 70s, again, their 80s, they get 85, and they're pulling in significant income every single yeah, year and they don't need it. I mean, the more money, I mean, they're taking in more money than what the, what they made when they were working full time. That's right. And it's all subject to income tax. There's no deferral. So we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk, we're going to continue our conversation about income. I think I want to transition to inherited IRAs because there's been a lot of uh, changes to that and it's, it's, there's a lot of misunderstanding on that. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. You're listening to Randy Barkley and uh, Jeremiah Lee. We are with Tricord Advisors. Uh, Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm. 
I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is also a certified financial planner. He has the additional uh, distinction of being an attorney and he helps our clients with estate planning and other legal issues that help them make smart decisions with their money. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation about income and we're going to delve into an area that is, it's really happy, it's become very complex. Yep. And that's inherited IRAs. Yep. Um, so for most people, the, the idea is if, if your parents had an IRA, they were using right. it during their lifetime, but they didn't use it up. Right. There were some leftovers. Well, the, the rules, they, they've shifted of what happens to that account. Um, it used to be that you would inherit it and then you would basically stretch it over your lifetime. And all of a sudden, those required amounts have to come out, those required minimum distributions each year. They applied to your life. Well, that all got changed. That all got wiped away. Now, this is 2019. So yes. it's just a few years ago, but it, it did change all of the planning that people had done prior to that. Yeah. It changed the uh, layout of the stuff. Yeah. So we'll start, I guess, with the, with the general that if you're a spouse, if, if your spouse passes away, you can still take their inherited IRA that you received from them, roll it into yours, take it over, and, and stretch that over your lifetime. Right. That hasn't had a big shift. <laughs> Nearly everything else does. There's also a few other exemptions for someone who's a disabled child. Right. There's a few others in there, but, but they're pretty narrow. The vast majority of people who are kids inheriting from their parents, they now have this 10-year rule. And the 10-year rule says that whatever account balance was left over that, that you inherit. Basically, any non-spouse beneficiary, just yeah. to kind of be clarifying on that, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to take out all of that money within 10 years. So when the first rule came out, the way it was written, it said just that. You have to take it out within a 10-year period. Right. Whether you chose to take a little bit each year and spread it out or took nothing for nine years and the 10th year you took one large distribution, th those were kind of your options. Well, the IRS has since issued some uh, tentative guidance of, of what the, the rules This was really be. frustrating because they haven't really given us a permanent yeah. uh, you know, uh, decision based upon what, what these distribution rules are going to yeah, be. There's right? no final one. A lot of people know, that, you know the, the law comes out and says something broad. And then the IRS or any other administrative agency will make very specific rules and requirements and they, they send them out as a draft mm -hmm. and people comment on them and say, no, we'd hate that or, oh, that's great. And then at some point, the IRS or whoever the administrative agency will be, they'll absorb those comments and then they'll issue final right. rules. We're, we're still in that process. We have not yet received final rules. But what the, the guidance that the IRS sent out that's different than what a lot of people expected is they said if the person who passed away was younger than 70 or 72, they, they were not yet taking required minimum distributions, and the person inheriting that account was a non-spouse beneficiary, they could do just what we said, take it anytime they want between zero and 10 years, spread it out, take it all at once, whatever they'd like. However, however, now, however, right? this is where it gets a little sticky, it's saying if the person who passed away was already taking re required minimum distributions or they were of an age they were supposed to, well, then now the person who's inheriting that account they have to continue taking required minimum distributions throughout that 10-year period. And then at the end of the 10 years, they have to drain the account. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not laughable. It, it's, you know, the IRS is making rules and choices of what they feel this says. But the complexity of this, applying it to a real person's situation becomes very difficult. And then if you have a beneficiary that's a minor, that adds a whole nother layer yeah. of complexity because uh, custodians don't want to give money to somebody who's below age 18. And then you look at the, the you know, you're planning for when, when your income is. So if the recipient is somebody who's still working, they'd like to delay their money until maybe they've, they've retired mm -hmm. so that their, the income, in, income tax ramification is not as significant. Yeah. And then you put on top of that Roths. So if you have a Roth IRA, you can't leave. Eventually, I mean, the, one of the, the disadvantages 
uh, of a Roth, I mean, right now is that they require you to take it out. Yeah. So, so, you, so that's odd. So a Roth IRA, right. if, Rand, if you had one yourself, you don't have to take the money right. out. You, it's already been taxed. It's, it's growing tax-free and you can do whatever you want with it. However, if I were to inherit a, a Roth IRA from somebody, I have to, I'm still subject to this 10-year distribution right. rule. And it, it's, it's a whole nother layer, right? Of just complexity. And these aren't, you know, we're not here to talk about the good or the bad of these rules. We just can see that they're confusing and they're not yet final. So someone this year who inherited an IRA, um, you know, had a family or passed away, should you take an RMD? It, it's a question mark. Right. Some accountants are saying, yes, just be on the safe side. Take your RMD just in case. Others are saying there's no final rules. We, we right. don't know that that's what's going to happen. Um, and it puts people in a hard spot. And um, there's, there's some ways, and everyone can talk with their CPAs or accountants. There's ways to uh, say you're sorry, you know, to mm-hmm. say, oh, I didn't, I didn't take it last year. I didn't realize I was right. supposed to. And I think we're going to find a lot of people in that um, space to say, I, I did this wrong once the final rules come out. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to uh, take out RMDs thinking that's the best thing for them to do because they're just they're trying to follow the guidelines. And they're going to end up driving up their taxable income because yeah. remember when you receive an inherited ira there's no step up in basis this is all taxable it's a hundred percent taxable income that comes out to you so right. if you push it out too soon it could throw you into a higher tax bracket yeah. and, and the most common is that people inherit these when their parents pass away right that's not the only way but it's most common so they're probably in their 50s and 60s still working right still earning a good income and they got to add this income on top of it. And that's where I think people feel the pinch of this. So let's go to, let's kind of cross over into dividends because Dividend. that's another source of income for most of our clients. Yeah. It's in their investment accounts. Uh, I'm not going to get into real estate and the rental income off of real estate and such as that. There's a whole nother dynamic, yeah. uh, different aspects to deal with that. But just dividends off of, quali- I mean, qualified dividends are treated like long-term capital gains, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. they have a preferential tax treatment. Yep. And so when, when someone has a taxable investment account, just good old fashioned savings, you know, they've right. saved up an amount of money. Maybe they sold a house, maybe they sold some of their assets and they have an account that is larger and they get that invested. Well, there, there's a few ways to do it. One way is for um, capital appreciation. So saying mm-hmm. I want to buy um, Apple, mm-hmm. I want to buy Facebook, I want to buy something that's going to grow over years. I, I don't really care what it is now. I just want it to grow. And eventually mm-hmm. I'll sell it and I'll take right. the income. That's what a lot of people think about when they say investing. And that's what a lot of people do when they're younger. But what we're talking about is someone who has a similar pool of money, but they invest it into stocks that pay dividends. Right. Uh, Microsoft is a great one. There's some others out there that they pay these strong dividends every year, which means that they push out some extra money to their shareholders. And for some of our clients, it, it creates a, a pension type income. Right. Right. Say the money's invested. They're not selling anything. They're not really trading the markets. It's, it's rather they're every quarter, they're receiving these distributions, these dividends from uh, the accounts they hold. And if, if the accounts, the, if the size and the dividend payouts are enough, it, it funds their life. Yeah. So they're in a position to say, I don't have to sell any of this stuff. And if the market goes up or down, I, I don't mind this year because it doesn't actually impact me. Eventually I may sell this or I eventually may give it to my kids, but I'm just living off of the dividends that are coming out. And it's, it's a great structure for a lot of retirement portfolios. Yeah, and I think this is the knock against annuities because annuities are designed to have consistent rate of return and have tax deferral. You don't have to worry about taking out the income because you don't have to pay taxes until later on. But at the time of death, annuities all come out as all that untaxed gain mm-hmm. comes out as ordinary income. And folks, there's a big difference between yeah. ordinary income and qualified income. Yeah. And you have to pay, you know, again, under these rules, 
if it's a, again, that's why we're we're opposed primarily to putting annuities in, in place as as an income vehicle because mm. the tax ramifications on annuities is different than it yes. is on normal stocks or mutual funds. Yeah, and a lot of people, the capital, I mean, the capital gains and the and the personal income tax rates change dramatically right. depending on where you're at. But it's not uncommon to have someone who pays fifteen percent capital gains and they pay twenty eight percent earned income or ordinary income. And so with that, they're looking at it over a 10% swing of how this stuff is taxed. And I don't know anyone that signs up for you know, 10% more taxes. Well, yeah. And I think, the, I think the, the thing that's happening is the laws are changing. And so whatever you set in place 10 years ago, I think people are now all of a sudden surprised. And particularly the heirs, because if the person who set up their, their planning, so to speak, 10 years ago, and the laws have changed. I mean, going back to inherited IRAs, but also IRAs, so mm. and then dividends. The one thing they've left in place, though, is the capital gain rules. So if you hold an investment for a year and a day, you're under long-term capital gains. You're not under short-term capital gains, and that's a that's a big planning issue too. Big deal. Yep. And it 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 ties people for good or for bad into some portfolios. You know, if you've picked up a por- portfolio of assets, you want to try and hold it for a year, if, right. if possible, you know, to get that better treatment. And so it's a little more of, you know, not just, oh, I, I heard on the news, this stock was good buy, or, oh, no, what's happening, sell. But to say, I want to have a long-term plan, a long-term strategy where you build a portfolio that makes sense for you, not just today or tomorrow, but, but into the future. And not entirely to say, regardless of what the market does, but generally that's the idea. You want something well-versified that you don't have to lose sleep at night. You don't have to have your finger on the buy or sell button um, with this great concern. You want something that is going to um, be useful for you, you know, throughout the throughout the decades, even for and that, sure. And that's part of building a portfolio that makes sense for each person. So yeah, we're, I, we're talking about the kind of the, the fullness of the right. picture, and everyone's different. I mean, we we not touched on pensions. We have a number of clients who have the, a pension, and and when someone has a a good pension, it kind of takes the rules of thumb about how much you need in retirement, uh, like how much you need in a four hundred one k. It throws it out the window. And the other aspect is in what you're going to inherit from people. We've had a number of clients who a big portion of their their accounts are inherited from their parents. And it, it's just very unique of what your income looks like in retirement. And I think that really comes to emphasis of what we do as a firm. We're not just doing investment work, but we do what we call wealth management. And it's, and it's creating that legacy for our clients going forward. And oftentimes, again, I've been in business now for nearly 40 years, and I'm now dealing with, in some cases, that third generation. Yeah. And it's, it's that money. I had a client recently who passed away. She was a client of mine for 37 years. And I'm dealing, uh, unfortunately, she, her daughter passed away before she did, but I'm dealing with now with the grandchildren. Yeah. And how do we distribute and how do we manage that money going forward for them? And the legacy planning is a big part of that income production. In other words, yeah. how do we keep that income and how do we avoid taxes? How do we deal with the step up on basis? All these factors kind of come together on what I call wealth management. Yeah. And some people see this moment when you inherit something or have these assets as, as this, oh, I have to pay taxes. This is negative. I see it as an opportunity. Right. There's some opportunity to make some really good choices that set you and your family up for success. For sure. And making sure that, that people make those choices, you know, that they, yeah. they know what they're doing and they lean into that. Thank you for listening. Um, Jeremiah and I have been talking about income such and how to prepare the income for your, not only for yourself, but also for your family. If you'd like to know more about what we do, our job is to help you make smart decisions 
with your money. If you missed any part of this episode, you can catch it on our website. It's retirementunlimited.com or you can look us up on YouTube. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.